Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church, located in Kernersville, North Carolina. John chapter 12, and I want you to look at verse 12 if you would. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all give an account of this event, and that's Jesus triumphantly coming into Jerusalem. A very prophetic act, and we're going to talk about that. But look at verse 12 of John chapter 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on a donkey's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. Obviously, you know that I have inserted in a couple places uh, a more appropriate uh, language, I guess, in a sense, for our children. It's always like Satan to take something that God meant for good and to turn it into something bad, but we certainly understand the situation there. The king is coming. Um, we're going to pray, and I'm going to give you just a couple details, but let me just say this, that um, all four Gospels give an account of this, but John wrote this 60 years after Palm Sunday. And John gives us, although his account is not as long as some, John gives us some details here that are not in some of the other Gospels. In fact, um, John is the only Gospel that tells us that these were palm branches. And we know that they were, but John is the one that gave us that detail. And there's a reason for that. Now, John obviously was the disciple whom Jesus loved. John lived longer than the disciples, any other disciple. And we believe that John is one of the only disciples that died of natural death. Most all of the other ones died in martyrdom. And, um, but John obviously writes here in John chapter 12 about this event. And as we end this message in a little bit, we're going to be dealing with something else that John wrote in the book of Revelation. John gives the account of how these events were ushered in. And he gives us a final account of end times. And, and we're going to talk about that briefly. And um, I um, want you to understand this. I was thinking as I was preparing for this, as Jesus takes this journey into Jerusalem, how this little journey, this little trip, this ride, this, um, this act as he was coming into Jerusalem, this would change everything from there forward. Let's pray, and then uh, I want to give you a couple things and dig into God's Word this morning. Lord, I love you. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to minister to people this morning, pray that you'd help me. Lord, I do need your power, and we know what your power can do. And Lord, I'm asking you to accomplish that. Lord, I pray our people will share this message, because Lord, the truths of your word is something that this world needs right now. I pray that you'd help me to be clear and concise. Lord, I know even some of the passages that we'll be dealing with can be a little bit hard to understand and a little bit confusing, but Lord, I pray that you would enlighten those who are listening as we're sharing your word, that they would be able to understand your word better. We sure do love you. And Lord, I need you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I am, um, as I was kind of working on this message, my mind went back to 2004. And in fact, as I kind of thought about that, my mind even went back a little bit further. I um, remember leaving uh, my, I had a little home on Rickard Drive there in Walkertown, actually Winston-Salem address, but it's kind of near Walkertown. Had a little house there on Rickard Drive, and um, I was getting dressed, getting things, make sure I had all the stuff that I needed, loading it into the car, and I remember um, taking my tux, my tuxedo, and, and hanging it there in my back seat, and I uh, began the journey to come here to this church. And um, as I was driving here to the church that day, uh, I realized the next time I would be driving in a car after that, I would be a married man. Everything would be absolutely different. And it's funny how when you kind of get perspective sometimes and you, uh, you have the ability to get perspective now of what's coming, uh, it changes the present. And I remember that drive, just everything about it, I thought, boy, this, everything's going to be different after this. And I arrived here and took some pictures with my groomsmen, and then I went into what we call the choir room here at our uh, facility, and I was waiting there by myself, and I guess everybody else forgot me because I waited there in that room almost four hours by myself, sat in that room. I don't understand why that was done, and I'm still kind of mad about that, but um, you have four hours to really think about life. But, um, but I stayed. And um, I got married that day, one of the, the most wonderful day of my life, and uh, things have never been the same. In 2004, I remember after my wife had given birth to our first son, Daniel, I uh, remember um, going back home, getting the stuff we were going to need. I was heading to the hospital to get them and bring them back home, and I remember putting that car seat, make sure it was all set up there inside of our car, and and I remember going to Women's Hospital in Greensboro and that, knowing that drive, everything would be different after that. You ever had a, a journey or a trip or even a day that just changed everything forever? That's exactly what happened in John chapter 12. And something interesting in verse 16 of John chapter 12, that's why it's important to get your Bible today. I want you to see this. In verse 16, if you'll notice, the Bible says this, These things understood not his disciples at the first. Now, now, Jesus had obviously told them many times of things that would come, but I don't know what it was. They just couldn't grab on to a lot of the details. And when this happened, the Bible says that they really didn't understand all these things. But I noticed this. It says, but when Jesus was glorified, which is one of the things that was done as he rode into, into Jerusalem that day, and they basically crowned him king, Hosanna, behold the king. The Bible says that when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him. Literally, his disciples then remembered what had been written about this event and that they had done these things unto him. And they began to put it into perspective. Oh, yes, we remember what was written about this. And so for us to remember what was written about this, put everything into perspective today, let's go to Daniel chapter 9. And we're going to begin reading in verse 20. And this is all just kind of a little bit of introduction. Once we get into the meat of things, it'll go very quickly. But in Daniel chapter 9, I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. You'll be, you have there on your screen verse 21. 
And Daniel was writing here, and Daniel says this, And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of God. Now let me just stop right there and say this. What a fantastic verse. Daniel said, while I was speaking, which means speaking to God, praying, confessing my sin, the sin of my people, Uh, What a reminder, that's exactly what we ought to be doing exactly at this point in our lives. We ought to be doing that every day. But Daniel said this before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of God. He is speaking of Jerusalem here. In verse 21 that you have here on your screens, notice this. Yea, Daniel says, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel. Now we don't see Gabriel a lot. It must be really important for Gabriel to show up there that day. Even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, obviously Gabriel the angel, being caused to to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Daniel says this was evening time and I was praying and that literally that this man Gabriel, or obviously we would know as the angel, was caused to fly swiftly. Now look at verse 22. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And he informed me, Daniel says, and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee. Now just what a picture of answered prayer. Daniel was going to God on behalf of not only himself, the sins he had committed, the sins of his people, the sins of his nation. And as he brought supplications before God, Gabriel tells him, Daniel, while you were praying just at the beginning of your supplication, the command came forth. That means as Daniel went to God in prayer... At the beginning of that, Daniel hadn't even gotten all the requests out. God immediately turned to Gabriel and sent him and said, You go down, and I'm going to use you, Gabriel, in answer to this prayer. And here in verse 23, Gabriel says, Daniel, God gave the order. He sent me here, and I am here to help you and to show you what this vision means and what's going to take place. And if you'll notice this, he says, For thou art greatly beloved. Gabriel says, Daniel, I'm here to help because you're greatly beloved. May I remind you today, you and I, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are greatly beloved. It doesn't matter what's going on in our country. It doesn't matter what's going on in our church. In fact, it doesn't even matter what may be going on in your house. You're greatly beloved. In fact, we're so loved that God gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to know today, you are greatly beloved. Gabriel says this, Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So Gabriel is getting ready to explain to Daniel what all this vision about Jerusalem and the nation of Israel and all these things. He was getting ready to explain to him, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to be done. And this is why it is important. So this morning on Palm Sunday, I want to begin, number one, with the prophecy of Palm Sunday. The prophecy of Palm Sunday. 
Remember in John chapter 12, the disciples didn't understand all these things. And then when Jesus was anointed, they remembered these things. What I'm getting ready to read to you right now, these things that were written of him and that these things would be done unto him. Verse 24 is where we begin the prophecy of Palm Sunday of Daniel chapter 9. This is what Gabriel tells Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Verse 25, Gabriel continues, Know therefore and understand. In other words, Gabriel says, All right, Daniel, you need to understand this, get this. That from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, there is event number one. Gabriel says, Daniel, from the moment that the command is given to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, from that point, notice in verse 25, unto the Messiah, the Prince. That means the coming of Jesus as he is anointed king, he says, to the coming of the Messiah, of the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. So, seven weeks, and what is three score and two? A score is 20. Three score is 60. So, seven, so here we have, now notice this, seven weeks plus 62 weeks equals 69 weeks. Gabriel says, Daniel, from the time that the command is given to rebuild the temple in exactly 69 weeks, he calls this thing weeks. We're going to explain what that is in a minute. The Messiah will come forth and be anointed as the most holy. Isn't that interesting? Look at verse 25. He says this, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. You say, well, preacher, what does it mean, but not for himself? Listen, Jesus died not for him, but for us. What a beautiful picture. Now, let me give you the prophecy of Palm Sunday. And if you have a piece of paper and a pen, you want to try to write it down to help yourself understand this. Let me make it real clear. The Hebrew word here in Daniel chapter 9 used for the word week. And you see we have 70 weeks in, in verse 24. And then we have the seven weeks plus 60 score, uh, three score and two weeks. We have all that. That word weeks is the Hebrew word Shabua. And it literally means a time period of seven. That's all it means. It is literally a grouping of seven. So what Gabriel is telling Daniel here is that literally from the time that the temple is, the command comes to rebuild that temple, 69 sets of seven years would pass. So a Shabuah or a week is seven years. And Gabriel tells Daniel it's going to be 69 of those sets of seven. So you have seven years and 69 of those from the day the command is given to rebuild the temple all the way until Jesus is anointed most holy in Jerusalem, the holy city, he said, will be exactly 69 weeks. Now, you say, well, preacher, what in the world does that mean for me? Well, for the Jews and the Babylonians, in this day, here in Daniel chapter 9, the calendar year was only 360 days. So if you take 69 sets of seven years 
obviously, and you begin to multiply that by 360, which is how many days were in a year. It would literally come up to 173,880 days. Now, I know your mind right now is going all like that. That means this, that Gabriel, according to the math, says to Daniel, Daniel, from the day that the temple is commanded to be rebuilt until the Messiah comes on the scene and is anointed to be king, he said it is going to be 173,880 um, days. And that means 476 years and 25 days. Now, okay, we've got that understood. So now when was the command of the temple to be rebuilt? When was that given? Well, that was given in Nehemiah chapter 2. I don't need to turn to it. Verses 1 through 8, you can look it up later. And there under the Persian king Artaxerxes, there was the command given to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And that is where this time clock begins to tick. And this happened, scholars believe in biblical terms, either 445 or 444 B.C. That means before Christ. And that was in the month of Nisan, they call it. And that's when Artaxerxes gave the command to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. That began this time clock that Gabriel had given Daniel, that it is going to literally be 476 years, 25 days until Messiah is anointed to be holy. And that means with that done at 445 or 444 B.C., if you go 476 years and 25 days ahead, that would put the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem at 32 or 33 A.D., exactly. Exactly the time that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on this Sunday called Palm Sunday. And he was, as Gabriel told Daniel, he would be anointed to be the most holy. Just another proof that Jesus is the Messiah. So now as Gabriel begins to explain to Daniel, we've seen the prophecy of Palm Sunday. I want you to notice, secondly, the power of Palm Sunday. Remember the disciples, they didn't understand what all these things meant. But then they remembered what was written about this day. And it's all the way back in Daniel chapter 9. And I want you to notice in verse 24, our key verse right here. Because in Daniel chapter 9 verse 24, Gabriel tells Daniel, this is what this event will mean. Notice in verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people which is the children of Israel, and upon thy holy city, which was Jerusalem. And notice as this triumphal entry, this is what this would accomplish. First, he says this, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy." Boy, there's a whole lot there, so let me get into it very quickly. Notice first, Gabriel says, Daniel, this is an, and it's almost strange. I feel like the Holy Ghost is telling me, Daniel. He says, Daniel, listen, this is what's going to happen. From the day that decree is given to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem all the way until Jesus is anointed most holy, this is what's going to be accomplished. Number one, to finish the transgression. You know what the Bible says? For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, man sinned, and the Bible says transgressed against God. 
And during this entire period of time, man could not go to the presence of God. God is a holy God. Man has sin. We're sinners. We're born in sin. And this transgression had progressed all the way from where Adam and Eve sinned in the garden all the way up until this Palm Sunday as Jesus is ushered in and he is anointed the most holy. Why was this begun, this Passion Week? Why was he introduced? Why were these events important? Because this would bring the finish to the transgression. In other words, now the transgression, there would be a way for us to finish that. There would be a way for us to have the opportunity to once again have communion with God directly and it's all through Jesus Christ as he was introduced that Sunday in Jerusalem to finish the transgression. Notice secondly he says to make an end of sins. You see on that Palm Sunday as Jesus was ushering into Jerusalem this literally ushered in the events that Jesus would use to make an end of sins. Now, that doesn't mean that after Jesus was crucified that there would never be any sin anymore. We obviously know different from that because we sin every day. But I want to read you a verse in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. It'll be on your screen. Notice this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Him who? Jesus. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Jesus came so that he could make an end of the bondage of sin. To make an end of sins. Dear friend, listening to me today and our precious members here at Kerwin Baptist Church, this Palm Sunday that we celebrate today ushered in the week of events that would culminate where Jesus defeated death, hell, sin, and the grave so that you and I, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it would literally put an end to the bondage of sin. That's why this is so important. Gabriel says, Daniel, this is what's going to happen. This event will trigger the finish of transgression. It will help to make an end of sins. Notice thirdly, he says to make reconciliation for iniquity there in verse 24. Did you hear that phrase? To make reconciliation for iniquity. Literally, Gabriel says, Daniel, as the Messiah is anointed, as he comes in this day onto the scene, ushering in this week of events, literally the purpose is to make reconciliation for iniquity. Our sin, our iniquity has separated us and God, and Jesus came to make reconciliation for that. Let me read you some verses this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, and I could give you many verses, but notice this. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. When Jesus came, he came to reconcile our iniquity. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 
Our famous verse, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We have been reconciled to God because of Jesus. Galatians 5 verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He has given us reconciliation for our iniquity. Now listen, I know it's a whole lot to take in this morning. This is a special day, and I hope that we can all understand it better. Notice, fourthly, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Remember, the disciples didn't understand it all at first, but then they remembered this, what was written. Notice, fourthly, to bring in, verse 24 says, everlasting righteousness. Jesus came to bring in everlasting righteousness. Wow. I want to give you a verse. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And you remember that Daniel 9 was written before Jesus came, died, and resurrected, and Romans was written after. So it's writing about the, the events that Gabriel told Daniel was coming. Look at Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Now listen to this verse. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Jesus came literally to bring in everlasting righteousness. And look at me, I want you to get this. It doesn't mean that we have everlasting righteousness. It means that Jesus brought in everlasting righteousness. So that now when God the Father looks at us, he does not see our disobedience. He does not see our sin. He does not see our condemnation. He sees the righteousness of Jesus that has been applied to our life by his grace, these verses tell us. Why is Palm Sunday so important? Because it reminds us that Jesus came to bring in everlasting righteousness. Once the moment you and I are saved, we are given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Despite all the muck and the mire we've been in, despite all the sins we've committed, the mess that we've made, all the mistakes and the evil things that we've thought and done, it's all gone, it's all forgiven, and we are now given the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which we did not earn, which we have not paid for. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I'm here to remind you today that this is a remembrance, that the righteousness that you and I enjoy in our life that the eyes of God sees in our life. It all began that day in Jerusalem as Jesus humbly on a donkey rode into Jerusalem. I want you to notice next that verse 24 says that Jesus was coming, notice, to seal up the vision and prophecy. 
to seal up the vision and prophecy. Now, I want you to, if you have still in John chapter 12, remember, you need to keep Daniel 9 and John chapter 12. You've got to see this. Look at verse 14 of John chapter 12 where we read, And Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on a donkey's colt. These things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they those things that were written of him, and that they had done these things. When all this happened, Happened on Palm Sunday, it was literally done to seal up the vision, to seal up the prophecy, to show this has been prophesied and now it has arrived. You say, Well, why is that so important, preacher? Well, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, many of you are familiar with this verse. Look at this little tidbit of prophecy. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, that's Jerusalem. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey and upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. That means literally as this prophecy was given on Palm Sunday, all these events happened to seal up the vision, to seal up the prophecy, to show what Daniel had prophesied has happened. And dear friend, I want you to know everything that the Bible predicts either has happened or will happen. God leaves no corners unattended to. He leaves no T's uncrossed. He leaves no I's undotted. He leaves no details undone. Everything that he has predicted, everything that he has prophesied, everything that he has promised, he has come to seal up the vision and prophecy. Last, in verse 24, I want you to see as Gabriel looks at Daniel and says, Daniel, this is the purpose of what's going to happen in Jerusalem that day in the city of Zion. Notice he says, to anoint the Most High. Boy, don't you love verse 24? To anoint the Most High. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kirtland Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at kerwinbaptistchurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin broadcast today. God bless you.